0: This is Chris Sullivan, and you are listening to the Angry Millennial Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, And sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at ClickGearClothingLTD. What's going on, AM Nation? Welcome to the Angry Millennial Show Today, we're chatting with photographer and author Jeff Rojas. Jeff, thanks for making the time, man. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for inviting me out here. I mean, let's let's quick chat. We finally got to meet earlier this year at WPPI and realize we both are apparently very high-functioning vampires, Hispanic <laughs> vampires, which are both very, <laughs> very fair-skinned, Amen. Uh, yeah, only you are more so, and you are now sitting in the dark, so Correct. you are an actual vampire. Correct. Um, but, you know, I just want to touch on that real quick, because, I mean, you have you been going there for a lot of years? For me, it was our first year, and it was it was amazing. Um, you know, and, and we're going to go into it a little bit more later, but, you know, how, how'd you find this year?
1: Um, You know, it's funny. I've been going for the last four years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. As my career's been growing, as the teaching's been growing, my experience is changing, you know, my, mm-hmm. the, the way that I interact with people is changing. Um, the first year was kind of very commercial. It just felt like mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. I didn't, I didn't go in there with the mindset of, uh, knowing anyone. So it's kind of intimidating going into, it's like going to the auto show, right? You go there, yeah. you don't meet anybody. You don't know anyone. Um, now it's like a family reunion. So it's completely yeah. different. You know, it's all the people that you haven't met over the years. So every year it gets progressively better.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I, I had I'm sure like you, I had tons of friends over the years who would go and would always, you know, tell me, oh, you got to go. You got to go. And I'm always like, nah, nah, you know, like just making up dumb shit. And I'm always like, I don't know. But nah, like, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, well, when you think about it, it's it's literally if you're a portrait photographer, it's it, it kind of got to go. You know what I mean? Like, and it's. I always looked at it like for a long time. I'm not a wedding shooter full time, or I'm not like a senior portrait <laughs> photographer. But it was we had an amazing time, and I could, you know, I, I knew a lot of the, you know, manufacturers and stuff like that through other things we've done. So I, could, I kind of got a little bit of that aspect, as you were saying. Mm-hmm where I knew a lot of people going and I knew some conne- you know, connections of the manufacturers. So it was still like kind of like fun to see everyone again. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was definitely, I definitely drank the Kool-Aid for sure.
1: Yeah, you have to, you have to, I mean, every, every conference is different, right? You have PPE, which is a totally different ambiance from WPPI. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've done miscellaneous conferences around the world. Mm-hmm. So you have, for example, Golf Photo Plus in Dubai. Golf Photo yeah. Plus is a lot smaller of an environment. You have, Probably a couple hundred students versus a couple thousand, mm-hmm. several thousand. Uh, PPE is really commercial. You go there, you know, tie and buy. No one really goes out afterwards. Wppi is it's a giant family reunion between everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a totally different animal. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a show I miss. You know, yeah. it's it's unique in its own right.
0: Yeah, for sure, and it, it was great. I mean, we we're still, I mean. Even you, we were supposed to chat while we were there and yeah. uh, time constraints didn't allow for it. Um, but e- ever since then, everyone we've, t- we've talked to, so many people that, that were kind of from there, you know, Dixie Dixon, Tamara Lackey, Skip Cohen, um, you know, all people we talked to while we were there. Uh, so it was it was definitely great. It was an awesome experience. Yeah, everyone's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, let's get into it. Let's, let's start it. from the beginning. You Always creative. Did photography come first necessarily for you?
1: No, no, not at all. Um, As a matter of fact, um, growing up, I I was always artistic. I was drew. I was drew by hand. Uh, My mom's potentially the most creative person I know. My uncle can literally recreate any photograph that you can think of in hyper realistic drawings. Wow, um, which is beautiful. But I never looked at photography or art as a means of income. Uh, Mm -hmm. Growing up, growing up in a Spanish family, you know how things are. You yeah. get a nine to five because that's where you're most productive. You go mm-hmm. to a job, you get the benefits, you get all this and you have a family and you do your family thing and that's it. So I didn't grow up in an environment where creativity was, there wasn't a potential for income being a creative. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a, a formalized job if they were a, if they were a creative. Um, so I started off, I'm no, a college dropout. I was studying aerospace engineering um, when I was 18. Oh, shit. Yeah, I would have been a rocket scientist, man. I would have been a rocket <laughs> True story. I was on my way. <laughs> I was on my way to be a rocket scientist. No. Um, so I dropped out, moved to New York, found a job in about three days, funny enough, in data recovery. So working for huh, photographers trying to recover their data. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, I um, worked my way up in New York City. I was working, by the time I was like 22, at a private equity company and bought my first camera. I was restoring a 64 Impala. That's what started the love of photography. When I started noticing my attention more so to, towards the camera and less towards the restoration, finding the right angles, you know, starting to read up on photography. It just, it reminded me of being in high school and, uh, and drawing and, and finding a finalized product and, and showcasing it and people enjoying it. And, you know, mom hanging up on the fridge, you know, those mm-hmm. are all good feelings, but it just sparked this interest for me that would never go away the second I picked up a camera.
0: Wow. So you literally, <laughs> I mean, of all, it's so, it's so funny when people when people talk to me about uh, like what what types of photographers are out there. I think it's it's a healthy mix of like people who do it strictly for the art, yeah, right. And and people, you ask them about settings, and they couldn't fucking tell you anything. <laughs> but then you tell them about the vision of the photograph, and they give you a three-hour soliloquy. Yeah, and then you have. Uh, uh you know the more right brain thinkers where literally they just love geeking out on the cameras yeah. and and uh you know like uh, for instance not too long ago I was on TWIP mm. and uh you know with with uh Frederick Van Johnson and, mm. and um and some people and like it literally was that was like my I, I know my gear, don't get me wrong, but I mean they were talking about like every little you know new thing to come out yeah. and uh and talking about that and I know like that's a huge market. A huge segment huge. are very and and you know it's funny i know a lot of ex-engineers who are now photographers and and they say that's that's kind of what drew them to it you know they're like i'm creative sure but I, I love like how a camera works you know like what what makes it tick how light works and all that kind of stuff where to me, it like it totally makes sense to see that type of mind, of course, uh, you know, in the in the photo industry,
1: of course. And I have a lot of friends who fit into that category. Mm-hmm. I realized early on aerospace engineering wasn't for me because I have I just literally got diagnosed with ADD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I <laughs> you like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I can sit. Can you imagine trying to to create something and develop something, and never getting getting a chance to see it in fruition twenty years down the line? Like yeah. getting a chance to see something once, so you never you start a project, you know you're sitting there working small bits and amounts. By the end of the day, I'm like, give me, give me faster results. You know, I want to create something and I want to see an end result. And this is why I think in the film days, I I would have probably appreciated film, but I don't think I would have been a photographer during the film days because it's not an instantaneous gratification. Maybe it's because of it being an angry millennial. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no i mean it's true i people ask me all the time like you know what's what's my beef with name what's my beef with whatever and and quite honestly to me it, it really comes down to just like like you mentioned it kind of alluded to that um everything's so different like everything's so different and we're literally right now living in one of the craziest like the fourth industrial revolution if you will. You Agreed. know what I mean? Like one of the craziest explosions of technology in the last 15 years alone. Agreed. Um, you know, even 10 years, shit. You know, we went from flip phones to computers in our pockets.
1: Well, you're you're a big Gary Vee fan. I know that personally. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's kind of the thing that you look at where the internet's been around for 20 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still in its infancy. We have so oh, much geez. more to throw on and build on. But the funny part about it is, being a quote unquote millennial, I'm sure you got the same thing. The generation before us, basically, bad mouthing our generation within the industry itself. You know, <laughs> you guys are the reason that the industry is going to crap. I, you know, I got the whole from different mentors of mine. Oh, I used to make fifteen thousand dollars a day. Oh, I used to make twenty thousand dollars a day. All that's gone, and all the bitching and complaining, and, and not doing anything about it. And I'm like, I don't know those days. So I'm not going to sit here and complain. I'm going to do me. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to get things done. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I have, I have to move forward. I can't sit on what was past. And I'm right. in, I'm currently in a revolution. I'm currently doing my thing. I'm doing something that I love for work. And there aren't many times in history that you were able to do that. Yeah. No,
0: and you said it. I mean, it, it photography itself, let's be honest, went from being a, a, a trade, like being a carpenter or a yeah. plumber or whatever. And and suddenly became, you know, anyone can anyone can hop into it, you know. So better or worse, you know, that's that's going to make a big ripple effect. Of course. And and you said it. It's it's where you sit there and say, okay, now I know that. All right. So now what? You know what I mean? And and it's like you said, yeah, I know, guys. I was talking to, I was listening to an episode of Shop Talk Radio Mm -hmm. earlier today with um. With Nick Onkin, the lifestyle photographer. And there was a, a guy on there who's like one of the biggest, most prolific, um, you know, interviewers of the 20th century. And he to, was a writer. And he talked about how he remembers when you got paid like two, almost $2 or more a word.
1: That's insane.
0: Put that in perspective. Long form, let's say today you write a 1,500 word article.
1: That's insane. Dude, that's
0: three G's. That's <laughs> That's insane. Insane. And he goes, and that was three G's back then. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, yeah, he's like, you could make an actual living off just being like an editorial writer. He's like, no, not so much, you know? And, and, and it's like, yeah. So the, that hearing that I would, I'm like a little jealous, you know, like if you could be a photographer and have two, three clients a year and
1: say you're good, like you're making a nice living. You have to learn how to monetize it. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Or at least
0: modify it because like you said, it shit changed.
1: Well, so yeah. I look at it I look at it this way. So obviously information is still valuable to people, mm-hmm. but how do you get people to buy? And that's kind of the core principle. Everyone, and you know how it is, that the whole jab, 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 right hook thing. Right, right. Which is you may not make money off that one article, but what could you create? What could you produce that makes you money?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: for example, all these instructors and myself included teaching, do you not think we get paid to teach? Do you don't think that the articles add up to being at a venue where I'm eventually going to ask for money in some sort, in some fashion? Mm-hmm. So I may, I may actually, if he wrote three articles in a month, I may, might make more than him. Mm-hmm. Not even thinking about it in one sitting in one article that I write today. I'm not getting paid directly through our article, but the channels that I've created from those articles I can make money on.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's an important thing too is like now we look at it where there's that shift and it's a good segue to the next question where what you, I think nowadays, especially as you are a college dropout, I can't, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't wear that badge of honor, right? I have two degrees and still I'm dead, but, um, it, it is to me, like you said, it's a transition of people don't ask you, oh, where'd you go to school? What'd you study mm-hmm. right now? It's like, what have you made? Correct. You know? And, and if you can sit there and say, okay, I've done this, this, and this, instead of sitting on my ass and playing Xbox all day, mm-hmm. that, that shit matters, you know? And, you know, that is what ended up you being on an instructor on Creative Live, right? And it's something that a lot of the people we've had on end up, having a common threat, you know, because it is, uh, for all intents and purposes to this day, one of the largest and most well-run, mm-hmm. uh, online creative sites out there. And I've been fortunate enough to see it, how they run it firsthand. And it's an intimidating process for a lot of people. Um, Great. you know, did that help you? First of all, tell me about the whole experience, but did that help you kind of focus on just crushing shit like 110%?
1: Well, I, I know that you're you're friends with Chase, and I have mm-hmm. a lot of deep respect for Chase. But do you know? Uh, do you know Craig Swanson?
0: Not personally, no. Okay, I've so. met him, but we don't we're not like you know besties.
1: <laughs> so Craig is kind of the brainchild behind what Creative Life actually is mm-hmm. um, on the back end. So off off of what the platform actually is, that interaction with that person has sparked a lot of motivation in many different mm-hmm. ways. Because I look at somebody who took Chase's idea and said, okay, here's here's this platform to learn photography. And let's create a platform where we can produce live content and monetize it, mm-hmm. right? So he looked at it as an entrepreneur and changed, and he had done it in other industries. He had done it in the tech industry. He had done it in other areas. Um, that want and need changed my perspective on everything. When I talk about the production at Creative Live, the ambiance, I look at it as business. Okay, they started off with... A couple of employees at their at their prime, they had 80 something employees. You know, I got a chance to see from let's say 20 employees to 80 employees that growth. So on the back end, I got to see how a business functions, a startup, right from the get-go. How does mm-hmm. that corporate ambiance work? How do you go from a startup culture to a corporate culture? How does how does that affect employees? How does that affect turnover? So believe it or not, it's not the platform that motivated me. It's not the platform that I learned so much about. It's the business mm-hmm. behind the platform that did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, it's, there's definitely a tipping point And, and a lot of us can, if you, like you said, if you listen to Gary Vee or the people in general, it's, there's a lot of, you have to put a lot, a lot of free shit. Agreed. Right. You got to get people to know that, you know, what you're talking about, you got to get people to like what you, how you do it, how you say it, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But then you get to a point where it's on you. You can pull the trigger and say, mm-hmm. listen, I'm not going to make this thing financially viable and sustainable to, to really grow. Correct. And, and that's something that I'll be honest, a lot of people, even myself in, in a lot of other aspects struggle with, you know? Um, and, and it's like, you know, you sit there and say like, Hey, I'm pretty good at X. I've been like putting stuff out there for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some gigs here and there, but how do I get to that next level?
1: Well, this, the, And that's uh, what you gotta do. The, the photographing men thing, and I've been open and honest with this to people, mm-hmm. uh, was a business decision. Right. It was open and candidly. No one else was doing it. You know, I analyzed the market. I said, who's teaching what? That person's teaching uh, beauty. That person's teaching boudoir. That t- person's teaching fashion and portraiture. I'm going to shoot something that nobody else did. And I'm going to have the entry point to where I have a name and brand for myself. And that goes back to that mindset and finding creative solutions, you know, and being, having that entrepreneurial mindset where you say, you know what? I'm going to master what nobody else has and I'm going to make a name for myself in that capacity. So I think that mm-hmm. that goes in any anything in life. Finding, don't stop yourself from doing something. You don't think that there's a barrier to entry because there's a saturated market, but find a way to, a creative solution to get yourself into that market.
0: Right. Or to stand out, like you said. Agreed. Agreed. You could have got into it any way you wanted. I mean, hello, you, you did data recovery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you could have, you, you could have worked for some of the biggest stockers in the industry and just worked those connections and all of a sudden That's you're fair. shooting XYZ. Um, but instead, you you looked at it as okay, like many entrepreneurs, you try and fill a need. Right. Correct. So you sit there and go, okay, I mean let me let me take a macro look at the mm-hmm. the industry and mm-hmm. say, Oh, this isn't being met and there's a gap here and all right, fuck it. Let me see. So <laughs> how, how's that been for you? I mean, like the, the, the book went up this year. It uh, and and again, photographing men mm-hmm. and uh tell me a little bit about, you know, um Like the angle was it? You know, what was that process like for you? Because obviously, you are not the first photographer turned author. We've had on this show. We had (laughs) Peter Harley, of course. You know, uh, all that kind of stuff. But what was it like for you? I mean, you took, like you said, you took a great angle, and you saw the lack of material and education in that space. Um, And and so, tell me a little about now that that's gone up, and you've been kind of running with that uh did it has it changed your portfolio did it maybe round out your portfolio uh is it more just maybe on the speaking side and you're still just shooting whatever the hell
1: you want (laughs) Uh, i would say it's the latter um Mm -hmm. so teaching wise let's put it this way and i think you've probably heard this this whole uh analogy before you would trust a brain surgeon to tell you you have a cold before you trust your common doctor to tell you that you have a brain tumor would you say so? Would you trust your brain surgeon to tell you you have, you have pneumonia versus would you trust your general practitioner to tell you you have a brain tumor?
0: Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Like yeah. anything else, you want, you want to be a specialist in your field, All right?
1: Correct. So the whole creating a niche thing is great. But mm-hmm. on the adverse, building a niche and being able to kind of build off of that niche. So I knew, I knew, I knew that I needed to go into the market with something and expand out to other areas. So Mm -hmm. photographing men was my way of doing that twofold. One for the educational side, and also for the fashion portrait side. Uh, The second I put out a, I shoot exclusively men, for the first week, I got nothing but emails from different agencies in New York, ad agencies, as well as modeling agencies, as well as models, as well as fashion stylists. It just grew connections because no one else was doing it, which is great in that that realm. On the teaching side, no one else is doing it. Hello, Jeff. Jeff. I mean, that's great. I mean, like you said, I can imagine that doing that,
0: you know, doing... Uh, putting almost like staking your claim and saying, Hey, I'm going to kick ass at X. And let's you know, speaking of which Peter Hurley, you know, he did just headshots, right. Mm-hmm. And that was his claim. And if you ask anyone, he's a renowned headshot photographer. Now, right. as we all know, he shoots tons, not tons, but other stuff, right. He's a mm-hmm. general portrait photographer, but Absolutely. it, that was his, his claim to all of a sudden be an expert in that field. Right. So like you were saying, it was great that when it came out, you had a flood of new contacts in New York to get you the work on the shooting side, but what was the teaching side like?
1: So it's it's interesting because the second I produced that, people were like, "Oh, I didn't think of that." Meaning the other instructors, because uh, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of people fighting for the same yeah, niche. You know, it's right. just how business works. You're going to create something, and somebody else is going to try to either rip it off, or somebody's going to just try to compete with you. Um, re- well received for students, people loved it. You know, people still respect me for what that is. Uh, it's funny enough that wasn't the first time I taught on Creative Life. I've been on Creative Life four times. No one remembers. Mm-hmm four years ago when I taught a DSLR video class like that, that (laughs) died out. No one remembers that people used to remember me as the video person. So it's a, it's an entrepreneurial mindset. Like my mind works this way. Mm. I just look at different paths and I try to figure out what's the path of of least resistance. You know, Mm. what is no one else trying to do? So what I've asked Craig and what I've asked the guys at, at creative live on the back and the producers is give me information that nobody else wants to teach. Give me the stuff. Give me the the content. Oh, no wonder that's what <laughs> they're it is. like.
0: They're like you're the utility guy. Correct. Whatever we got, no one else wants.
1: Give it to Dude, me. Just gonna kill it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Just nice. give me it, and Smart. I'm gonna go ahead, fix it up, make it approachable. Like I had to teach a class on bokeh. Like how are you gonna teach a hour long oh, class? God. Oh, dear yeah. God, exactly. You're and, like
0: okay. Don't buy lenses. Just take your crappy kit telephoto. <laughs> rack it out to two, 300 millimeter <laughs> and get 30 feet away. That exactly. will be fine.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that'll work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does, but it's just really, no one ever realizes that when they first
1: start out. It's I hysterical. But it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting because teaching classes like that, who else wants to teach that class? No one. No one yeah. wants to sit there for an hour and teach about bokeh. Like no one. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Give me the class. Let's see how people feel. Um, Cause I have a lot of admiration for, for the generation before us, believe it or not, as much mm-hmm. as I try to, position myself where I'm like, I'm the new kid on the block. I have a lot of respect for guys like Scott Kelby, who, yeah. who created a business long before anybody else did, who mm-hmm. almost founded, not founded. Yeah, you know what? I'll say founded. Founded the educational side online, you yeah. know, that started that, that niche. So yeah. I have a lot of respect for what he creates. But the guy, I mean, he's a, he's a published instructor. I just know the way that my mind works, going back to that. And my mind filters information. My mind says, okay, this is a thousand pages. How can I make this five and digestible? Let me right. let me build that. Right. And I think We're, people more appreciate relatable. that. Yeah. Just right. more relatable. I mean, just giving people what they actually need versus what everyone's trying to sell them.
0: Right. I mean when you think about it, I, I think of that in terms of uh like I'm I'm immediately reminded of like telling people, "Hey, you can either read your manual, <laughs> right? Or, let's be a little more realistic and say, how about you just literally go into Google, type in your manufacturer, your model of your camera and tips or tips and tricks and just see who puts out some good stuff on YouTube for free that you like watching and you learn from and just start there, you know?" Yeah and then literally just go out and use your fucking camera, you know, like just go out and shoot and play with buttons and see what's out there. You know, if you have a certain style or certain thing you like shooting with as landscape or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, look up like bracketing, look up whatever, um, and, and see what you can find. And then all of a sudden, again, you start amassing their information and then you have to quickly, you realize, you know what the hell you're doing.
1: Agreed. I mean, um, the, the only thing is that there's no, and this is what creative lives done. Well, and, and Kelby's done well is, consistency of information. Right. You know, for example, you have other platforms where there are teaching circuits, something like Udemy. You know, mm-hmm. there's no one's, no one's monitoring the production there. So you can essentially throw up a class and, and there's no, yeah. there's no explicit direction. To it's, kind
0: of, it's kind of like an and the Android app store. <laughs> Correct.
1: Exactly. No, you just throw stuff in there and like right. hope for the best. And no one really, I mean, it, it's almost like you have to look for that diamond in the rough. Yeah. So, Trying to find consistency is difficulty, difficult. And I find creating a platform where people have consistency and education and information is really important, mm-hmm. I think, for anyone trying to learn. So if you're going to go on something like YouTube, just be very cautious with what you learn. Because you might right. have somebody to tell you, you can get you know XYZ, and all you have to do is XYZ, and that may not be the truth.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah like like I tell people, a lot of stuff, it's, it's finding... What resonates with you, what you think yeah. is valuable, because there's, yeah, there's tons of shit. There's tons of shit everywhere. <laughs> um, so one thing you mentioned, you mentioned the video stuff. Yeah. And, and I want to get into that because I know you've been doing a lot of work with Miguel lately. Uh-huh. Um, and, and kind of tell me a bit about how that started with you guys and what your vision is for your work together.
1: So I met Miguel three years ago at WPPI for the first time. Him and I, the same way that you and I have had conversations online, mm-hmm. um, we met each other literally about three and a half years ago. Sat on you know, the bench in between the conference center and the Tower One area right there, that long corridor, heading out to the conferences. Oh, yeah. To yeah. So him and I sat there. Everyone was sick that year. Everyone, oh, somebody, sucks. everyone was sick. So we weren't sick. We decided to sit there and, and chill out and kind of talk. right? And uh, we just became friends. And it feels like very much like an older brother in a lot of capacities. But nonetheless, we, we kept communicating and contacting one another and keeping each other accountable. We had sat on that bench. And the reason I say that is we both said we wanted to teach. We both said we wanted to have sponsorships and, and talk and present and stand in front of people because we both thoroughly enjoyed teaching. And uh, that accountability was important. You know, hey, you have to do this. You said you were going to do this. And we kind of bounced ideas off of one another. And uh, so he moved up to Jersey about a year and a half ago. Oh, Where and, is he from? I don't even know. He's from Florida. We all grew up in the same neighborhood. That's what makes it worse. Oh, yeah. That's it's, so funny. <laughs> we grew up half a mile from one another in Florida. What? We never met there. Yeah, li- wow. literally half a mile. Um, and I have a bunch of friends in New York that it's the same thing. We all, I have some that I went to high school with and I met while I was here like it's just crazy experiences nonetheless so miguel and i try to we're trying to be real with the information that's been presented and i think mm-hmm. the concept of these guys i know was mm-hmm. literally just to provide people with no bullshit information i'm not right. going to i'm not going to have a cookie cutter conversation you know if you're being lazy i'm going to tell you the reason that you're being lazy i'm not going right. to say well you can do it and it's not true
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. Be a little more, be a little more upfront and, and 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 honest.
1: Exactly. You know, can, can you become a photographer? Absolutely. If you're willing to work your ass off for it, but Mm -hmm. if you're not willing to work and commit to the process, you're not going to get anything done and you're not going to make money and you're not going to, you're not going to sustain yourself. And it was, we haven't found before us, meaning the generation before us, Mm -hmm. anyone being that explicit, everyone's so focused on let me show you how to move that light, and you can follow and achieve your dreams if you want to. And that's not the reality of things, and we don't we don't want that information to go out there. And I personally have an issue with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and I, I only laugh because it literally is an article I'm I'm currently uh, working on where it's uh, why everyone loves to hate twenty something year old lifestyle entrepreneurs. <laughs> and and it, you're laughing too because you know exactly the type I'm talking about. I mean, we can. And and we can talk about it until the cows come home, but it doesn't mean they're going to go away because people realize that if you find something, people eat up. Yeah, more power to you, you're making money. But are you making money in a way that maybe you really you really ask yourself, you feel really good about?
1: Well,
0: I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'd rather have a much smaller audience and, and bank account and realize that I'm giving out real value 110% of the time to everyone who's willing to listen rather than, you know, I'm a fat bank account. Maybe I touch like two people a year.
1: Well, I'll ask you this. How many, how many snake oil salesmen have been around since people have been selling anything? (laughs) Since snake oil. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's been around. So if you really commit to thinking about all these people that have, you can, you can achieve this with this tiny potion or this tiny bottle. It's Mm -hmm. no different. It's just been over the years. People just been doing it in different ways. Now it's just becoming more, open and available for people to see because there's other things that people can can watch you doing you know back in 1990 before the internet was extremely popular if somebody said i make millions of dollars doing this and this is the only channel that i have there was really no way for somebody to call them out and for somebody else to find out from really far away right now everything is just completely accessible you know everything's just open to the public so if you you play drives or if you do something that you shouldn't do to make money you're going to get called out. Somebody's going to find that. Somebody's going to showcase yeah. it and tell everyone.
0: You can't fucking hide anymore. You can't
1: hide anymore. No. So people see that. The, the whole lifestyle entrepreneur thing, you know, people realize that that's just a sham. You know, mm-hmm. I think people see past it. You're still going to get, I mean, let's just be open and honest. The United States has a fifth grade reading level for, for newspapers. You know, that, that generally says something about the education level in the United States. So people are going to fall for it.
0: Right, right. And and there's like you said there's there's uh, almost a sense of of, of people who should and, and and do kind of police that aspect and say hey listen you should not like there's one thing to make a buck let's be real but don't be predatory about it you know right. like if you want to make a buck and and you you know you want to make it easy and cheap make a fucking eBay store you know <laughs> you know like make a drop shipping company and just yeah. do that and then you can do whatever the hell you want without trying to monetize it and 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 you know just kind of be be like just preying on people which is kind of shitty but like you said yeah it's and that that aspect's never going to go away
1: well uh, let's look at this way so you you're on Instagram you um, you probably follow up some of the things that I do you have a couple of different people that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from only Mm -hmm. posting things on Instagram and building up an Instagram following based off of motivational content. Oh,
0: come on, dude. How many fucking pictures of lions and and fucking Lamborghinis have you seen nowadays with dumb shit written on it and they got hundreds of thousands of followers? Correct.
1: So think about their audiences and what they're monetizing. What are they selling at the end of the day? They're selling motivational content that somebody else produced or that they produce, but they don't actually have a business behind it. That is their business right you know and that goes back to the lifestyle entrepreneur thing you know it's everyone has their own little hawk what, what are you what are you trying to sell at the end of the day
0: right yeah no and and, and it's, it's true i mean it, you said it is true man and it, and it's it's really kind of just uh, sad that that has to be an actual open conversation nowadays that some people might find kind of damning and that's hysterical agree you, you could sit there and say well are we really calling people out? Because if you feel like we're calling you out, you're probably doing it. Like, we're not really calling Correct. you out. You're just fucking guilty. Correct. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And and it's, I think what's interesting sometimes is when other people will put that aside, because it's true. Like, look, I, I, could, I could sit here and say, hey, let's just say I, I love Jeff do I necessarily agree with Jeff's business direction? No, but he's still a good friend and we grab drinks whenever I'm in New York and yeah. and we'll be on each other's shows and we'll bullshit. And okay, great. But to me, it's like, I'd rather be like, no, I love Jeff. I love everything Jeff does. And I would partner with Jeff on anything without a second thought, you know? Yeah. But not everyone operates that way. You know what I mean? Everyone's and, different. Right. Everyone's different. Um, But I, yeah, I get it. You know, I get it. I, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I had friends that... Uh, growing up, I'd sit there and say, "Yeah, we we get along great," but I wouldn't trust him with ten dollars of mine or, or <laughs> borrowing ten dollars from him because God knows who whose money it was,
1: and that guy's in jail now. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, how that's how it is. Yeah. it is. you know, relationships mean, so, are hard to come by. You know, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is why, like you asked before about Miguel. Miguel truly feels like an older brother of mine. You know, that's it doesn't. Awesome. There's no. There's no uh, competition. There's no. Mm-hmm. We push each other, don't get me wrong, but there's no mm. sense of animosity because somebody's right. doing better than the other.
0: Yeah, there's no sense in that. I'm sorry. No, I, I just, not. I never, never, ever not. understood that. Even with an article, Why Other Creatives Should Not Be Your Competition, and I wholeheartedly meant that. You know, like I, I was telling people all the time, like, it, and and for some people, they look at it like what you mentioned, they look at it like an old school versus new school mentality <laughs> where it's like, if everyone's your competition and you're just like grabbing at shit saying mine, 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 and then you realize suddenly you're all alone, Hmm. you know, and it's like, was it worth it? Yeah. Or you say, hey, look, let's all, there's enough for everybody. Let's help each other out. And suddenly you got like squad goals, you know, like you're (laughs) fucking Taylor, (laughs) Taylor Swift (laughs) blowing it with like all your friends who are respectively killing it in their industry, you know, or their
1: trade. You know how many times, like, for example, if there was something that Miguel, as a perfect example if there was something i couldn't do or commit to he would be the first person that i would say hey listen look have you thought about doing this xyz because i can't take it this is yours and -hmm. it's always bouncing off one another but you have to you have to find people who are selfless like that and Mm -hmm. it's hard to find those people in in 2016
0: no and what sucks is it really shouldn't be because like you said i mean fuck man like Prateek is a great example, right? right? Pratik Naik, the retoucher. I mean, he he's literally the kindest, sweetest person I've ever met in my entire life. And if you ever actually talk to that guy or ask anyone who's ever known him or met him or it's had any nice. exchange with him, he's like super nice. And he's one of those people where he's like, dude, any way I can help you out. Now, first of all, like you said, like, know your shit for sure. Yeah. You know, like, know what the hell you're doing. I'm not going to throw you a job that you're going to just completely shit the bed on. but. Yeah if you're cool and we're cool, dude, I got you, you know, don't worry. And, and that's the way it kind of should be, you know? And, and I have, a, I have, for instance, I might be shooting something in New York, uh, in June. Um, that might be a decent job, uh, all because a a buddy was just like, I'm busy here, you know, and he sees me on an email with a company I've never worked with that he's worked with a ton and told me, dude, if you, if they hit you up for stuff, do it, you know, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's what I mean? Like, exactly. You know, because they look at it like it's not like, oh my God, who's this new guy? We love him. Fuck the other guy. No. It's, oh my God, the other guy's great. He put us on this new guy. So now we just, whenever so and so is away, we have another guy to hit up.
1: Oh, that's how it should and be. That, but it's not you know like, what I mean, yeah. It's like that. You know, yeah. and it's funny because you, you talked about fashion before. Mm-hmm. The fashion industry is kind of like that. Well, I mean, not like that. Totally the opposite of that, which is right. it's a really ambitious cutthroat environment. hmm. So for me, it's a, it's a warm welcoming when I can go to a place where you just get along with people, Yeah, that's, that's just it. That's exactly it.
0: it. You said it. So listen, Jeff, we're, uh, we're getting, getting close. So we're going to start, um, I have one more question and then we're going to start kind of ratcheting up the, the deepness in the questions. Let's hear it. So, uh, I was real quick. I know you mentioned in your other videos that you had that full-time job previous Mm -hmm. to going, um, you know, full-time photography, so was it that data recovery uh, job that you had, or was it something else that you were doing that just made you rethink life?
1: No, I was working. I was working private equity. Um, I had gone into oh, work one day. It's horrible. Uh, yeah, worst thing ever. Working in a suit and tie, and making six figures. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> shitty thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, hey, hey, are you still doing it? Uh, th- I was joking, obviously. <laughs> 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 no, you know, it's interesting because I never felt like I fit in. I never right. felt like I was part of the, the group. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the receptionist and I were really close. We, we had mm-hmm. a good friendship. She reminded me of a lot of my mom. And uh, about that same time, I was trying to find a toy. I wanted a motorcycle. I knew that that's something that I wanted. And her husband had one, and her and I had a conversation about it. She's like, hey, listen, you need to talk to Ronan. Ronan's the the VP of the real estate division. Um, he's 27. You know, he's a little older than you are. Talk to him. He rides his Ducati in every single morning.
0: Oh, um, nice,
1: Ronan. He had a Ducati monster. Ronan oh, was 27 years old, vice yeah. president to the real estate division to so a 28 billion dollar hedge fund. Mm. Two degrees from Penn. Sorry, three degrees from Penn State. Uh, wow. his sister was an Olympic skater. All these different things. So, Ronan and I had a conversation on a Friday. We were talking about motorcycles and the fact that he wrote in, and I'm like. People don't judge you for bringing your motorcycle helmet in, you know, to work with a suit and tie. He's like, people hate it, but you know, I get my job done, so who cares? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had comment on Monday morning and found that he passed away. Somebody hit him. They made an illegal left-hand turn and clocked oh, him. Oh man! So let's go back for a second. Ronan's twenty-seven, three degrees, Penn State graduate, twenty-seven billion-dollar hedge fund. He's the vice president too by the age of twenty-seven, and he's dead. Yeah, And, uh, from that day forward, it was one of those wake up reality moments where you realize life isn't guaranteed, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing you do, you could die walking. The second you get out of your house, a plane can hit right then and there and you just completely die. Like just unfortunate circumstances. So shortly thereafter, I got laid off. And, uh, from there I worked as a regional sales manager for a different company. And two years after that, I got laid off again, the type of funding that we had. And I found this consistency in jobs aren't guaranteed the same way that life isn't guaranteed. I have this this new school mentality, like my grandfather, for example. My grandfather worked 20, 30 years for one company, and he never got laid off. He had a consistent job. 2016, everyone's looking to contract. Everyone's looking to, to create new job positions and throw out old ones. It's a consistent evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, And more or less around that time, I found my mentor and saw her running a business and running it like a business and said, wait, you're working for yourself. There are no guarantees, but what you put in is what you get out. I want Mm -hmm.
0: that. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, and dude, what's, what's crazy is like, that's a, it's so funny. I, people people say it all the time that we're a feel good generation, all that kind of crap, or we're entrepreneurial like generation. But in reality, it's just because you and I sim- similarly wanted a thing that used to be used to be a reality in this right. country, but is no longer. It's no right. longer. It's a gig gig economy. It's a ten ninety nine generation. Um, and I've had very similar experiences, uh, you know. And it just got it's got. Too old, you know, and and, and I was sitting there being like, what am I doing? You know, and, and it's like, then you realize that's why no one, uh, let's just say it's, it's hard to come across younger people nowadays coming out of school that are killing themselves for any one company because they know they've seen it already Mm -hmm. and they know that you are beholden to no one. No one is beholden to you. You are replaceable. And even though that was always the case, now it's a lot more the case ever since like, you know, treating employees like numbers since like the 80s shift in corporate, corporate, you know, mentality. So it's, it's, it's fucking a tough thing. And like you said, it's, you know, it's, I can, I can literally do this and kill it for someone else's company, or I can kill it on my own. And it's just as much risk, it's just as much frustration, just as much sweat, blood and tears. But at the end of the day, it's
1: yours. Exactly. Cool. Well, the, the other cool. thing is, you know, my grandfather, for example, mm-hmm. my grandfather at 28 years old, and him and I have debates about this all the time. Mm-hmm. At 28, he bought a house back when he was my age. Uh, at 28, I don't know why that was redundant, but um, <laughs> bought a house for like $9,000. His salary was like 6000 so his argument is like, why don't you go buy a house? I'm like, okay, let's have this conversation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so New York City, for you to buy a house the same way that you had, let's do the, let's do the estimate. You're talking about $900,000, right? That means, comparatively, you're making 6000 to your 9000 That means I would have to make $600,000 a year to afford the same $900,000 house for it to be comparable. And I ask him blatantly, how many of your friends do you know that are making $600,000 a year clean in their pocket? Not, not the operation of the business, in their pocket as a salary. Yeah. When we can have that conversation, then you can tell me that I need to go buy a house at 28.
0: Yeah. You know yeah. what's even scarier, and it's like Gary's talk about this, like literally to get, to get into the top 10% of earners in this country, mm-hmm. everyone thinks nowadays of like billions, right? I got to make something, an app or whatever, a product, yeah. I got to sell and make billions. Like, fuck it. Millionaires like, garbage you gotta be a billionaire right he goes nobody talks about the fact that all you have to take home is $110,000 something crazy like <laughs> that right and you are now in the top 10% of the country correct and he's like why is no one making that their goal <laughs> you know what I mean like why is that not like
1: because it's reasonable expectations exactly
0: it- it's like I made it cool no nobody everyone's like billion or bust fuck it and then that's why you have the huge problem with like, you know, depression and anxiety and suicide is like people just start putting these, uh, let's just say this, uh, you should have aspirations for sure. You should have big goals for sure. But I think sometimes the big goals are because if you take a swing at a billion and you miss, don't forget the fact you still have a million. Correct. And some people don't. They look at it like you're first or you're last. And that's not obviously how the world works.
1: But. It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy yeah. for people. You know, and this yeah, is yeah. why I jokingly, not jokingly, realistically, I've always said I'll hit a million before 35. Absolutely. I won't even think about it. Like a million dollars is not a lot of money. And for me, I know, I know the steps I need to do to take there, but I know I need to work for 15 million if I want to make that million. But my, re- right. my expectations and my number is that million dollar mark not the billion mark, not the 15 million mark. I'll work. I'll have the work ethic for 15 million, but I'm going to put in that amount of effort for that million right. and I'll be happy. And right. that to me isn't like, I'm going to go buy a car the second I get a million dollars. That's not the point of it. The point of it is that people see that I have so much value for what I have to give that that number represents the amount of value I was able to give to people. And that's, if you're going to monetize something, obviously you create free content. It's just how much return on my investment of time can I get?
0: right nice yeah you said it i mean and and it's uh it's important you know it's important thing to ask because we can we can give away the farm but then all of a sudden someone's gonna come for your farm (laughs) you know what i mean so so jeff again thank you for taking the time out we're gonna get into the deep questions one last one real (laughs) quick uh are there some personal projects you've been working on and what are your thoughts on personal projects as a whole
1: uh they keep your sanity working and uh you don't get so unfocused in life so one of the things turning photography into career you have to have some sort of personal project for sure uh because if not you'll you'll deeply go insane so right now work-wise i'm I'm working on photographing women what Mm -hmm. i've done is incorporate personal shoots like i'm I'm photographing my girlfriend and i'll incorporate into the book Mm -hmm. you know it's those little tiny things that it's, it's a fun day but then i get incorporate into work Mm-hmm. Uh, other things, I want to go to Japan for a month. I want to live in Japan for a month some point this year. That's kind of a, a personal goal of mine.
0: Awesome. How can
1: I incorporate work into that and still have fun at the same token? Mm-hmm. So all my personal projects and personal feel good moments, I try to incorporate something financially to keep the the goal working and something happening. Right. So smart,
0: smart. You said it. You know, you, def- you definitely have to. I tell everyone all the time, like. Personal projects. Like I, I teach people how to how to turn on their camera. And I tell them, listen, hear me out. Yeah. If you do this and you keep going, find a fucking personal project. Find Correct. something. Because once you learn and you go down the rabbit hole, all you're going to spend your entire rest of your career doing is trying to get back to this moment where like you just had fun with a camera. Correct. You know, so... So, yeah, it's huge. So, all right, when you get to the deep questions, obviously it. we're heading uh, towards an hour. So, let's keep them pretty brief. I know you're, I know you know the drill. You know the drill at this. So, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career?
1: Uh, dumping all my money into personal projects. Nice. All of it, all of it? All of it. <laughs> and honestly, all no of shit. it. No, nice. all of it. Why? Because wow. I, I went in all in and trying to find out that return on investment.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm also 28 years old. I don't have this a mortgage, I don't have kids, I don't have what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I don't yeah. eat for a couple days?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie when I was still single living in the city and I was making a decent salary, I let's see, I had a I had, you know, good dates, good food. I bought lots of guns, uh, yeah, did exactly. lots of fun stuff. And I was 10 to 9, so I still had enough money to pay taxes. So I was at least smart in that sense. But yeah, it was it was a much different <laughs> set, of, set of priorities. So name your biggest fear
1: creatively. Um, I would say probably f- complete failure. I think you have to be scared in order to succeed. You know, I think that failing anything, whether it be a, a photo shoot, whether it be a project, whether anything, but that's what drives me to do better and make sure that I, I commit to not failing.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So going a little bit even deeper, <laughs> name your most meaningful moment in your career thus far.
1: Um, getting a chance to, to go to some place like WPPI and having my students win things my students win awards. My students do well with themselves because then it makes my, it makes my work feel more meaningful as a person. Like I I resonated with that person enough for them to win something and get something and feel good about themselves and, you know, hold that award and, and just seeing them succeed. You know, this mentioned what you mentioned before, which is you want to see other people succeed. It's part of the squad mentality. You know, I want my students and my my colleagues everyone to succeed that to me is a proud moment then it feels like i'm part of something bigger
0: Mm -hmm. and that's important you know because uh like you said it goes back to the whole uh selflessness thing you know and and uh and and really saying that you're putting other people not before yourself i mean (laughs) that's how you're gonna get them what they need but at the same time like really kind of seeing a lot or feeling a lot of Gratitude for watching others you know, right. get get something out of it. I think that's, per, that's pretty neat. So what would you say is the biggest regret in your career?
1: Um, I'm probably waiting to spread my wings as long as I did. Um, I winded up mentoring with or falling under someone for about two years before I actually started doing it myself. Um, while I got to learn a lot, I should have been more selfish in many different ways. And uh, that kind of happened for about... F- probably about three and a half years of being selfless, being more selfish allowed me to find a survival instinct and keep uh, pushing forward. I just felt mm-hmm. too comfortable and feeling comfortable is not a good thing.
0: Yeah. Cause that, that means you're suddenly going to be complacent and stagnant. Correct. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny. I I've heard this and it's so true that, you know, uh, success is literally just being okay with a constant state of being uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's so fucking true, man. It's true. Because, I mean, for instance, it like our, sh- our show, you know, we, we got a couple pretty big sponsors and we're like, Oh great. And then I'm like, well, all right. Things are, honestly, we had a five month queue. I was like, in reality, I could just fuck off for two months and just do whatever. That's but then annoying. I was like, Why? You know, like, so we started switching to a three day a week format yeah, and, yeah. you know, we started uh, being more aggressive and, 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 and I sat there and said like, why not screw it? Let's do it. Because that, that was a, exactly went through my mind. I'm getting comfortable. I could, or at least like see myself getting comfortable. I'm not doing this. So, you know, so yeah. So time for the deepest of deep, especially with us photographers. If you couldn't share your work with anyone, would you still shoot?
1: I would probably still shoot. I would honestly say that. Um, Mm -hmm. I would probably take my camera places less, but I would still shoot. I would find ways to incorporate. So right now, 2016, Mm -hmm. what else knows this? I I literally go back through my photos to have memories. You know, these are things that no one else gets to see. You know, I take my camera with me. WPPI, we we take our motorcycles out to uh, Zion National Park in Utah. We make that whole trip. Taking photos of the whole thing just brings back memories. You can smell the air. You can you can taste the the foods that you had to eat. You know you can feel the, you can feel everything that you went through. Um, so absolutely, I would say to document my life and look back at it and just smile and remember that there are good points and there are great things about it. I think without photography, all you have is your mind, and your mind can manipulate reality, whereas photos can't, mm-hmm. unless you're using Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's not photography man no i'm kidding uh so that's you know it's funny i've had i've had a lot of people say you know i i still would enjoy shooting on my own would it suck to not share yes would it suck to not have the interaction with someone a client and someone seeing the value and the joy in in your photographs and that's very true but i've never i don't think. i'm trying to think i don't think anyone's ever actually done it in the sense of hey, I just want to look back on my life with a shoebox full of Polaroids and, and print and digitals, whatever, and just say, like, this is the shit I did. Correct. Pretty fucking cool, you know? That's and it. and uh, and I think that's a, pretty, a pretty, uh, pretty neat way of looking at it.
1: Well, I think you mentioned, well, I know you're working on some personal projects yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, in regards to depression, I think that helps. Reminding yourself mm-hmm. of the good points in your life. You know, reminding yourself mm-hmm. that either that or things that have been worse. You know, I remember... Yeah. You look back at photos and you just you have a sense of "I can get through this," or that was amazing, let me do it again and it's just mm-hmm. a sense of motivation. I think that's what photography should be
0: yeah. Yeah, you said it. And like, yeah, so what you were alluding to is um, uh, something that hopefully we can get you involved <laughs> in a little bit is uh, Creatives Against Depression. So if anyone wants to check that out, it's uh, creativesagainstdepression.com. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's it's something that I know for both of us, we've personally dealt with. And I think a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, especially in the arts community, um, you know, do deal with it. And unfortunately, Maybe sometimes because a lot of what we do is in a vacuum and it's very emotional um, that they feel like they can't share. So that's been something, like you said, that I've been kind of putting a lot of effort into and seeing what can go on there and uh, and just help out any way I can.
1: That's an amazing, amazing project. And I think it definitely helps.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out today uh you know i'm glad we finally got the chat Me too. um you know it's it, things gonna be in new york but again i'll be up there soon enough and uh let's and hang out we'll, grab a couple yeah, of beers we'll, we'll hang out grab a couple beers maybe i'll see what you and Miguel are doing and be fun and three generic latinos there. exactly See, so we, we'll make that episode <laughs> you know three generic latinos That'd be fun. That'd yeah, be fun. yeah yeah for sure um So last but not least, but before we get into that, where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you can do?
1: Um, Education-wise, kissphoto.com, K-A-S-S-F-O-T-O.com or my own channel, I am jeffrojas.com.
0: Oh, you you switched it. That's right. Here's why.
1: I would tell you why. it was horrible. Because it was terrible. (laughs) I was dyslexic
0: (laughs) and I used to look at it and go, what the fuck? Oh, right, right. (laughs) Jeffrojas.
1: But some, okay, I'm going to say this. So some bastard when I was 12 years old stole my URL 12-year-old uh-huh. me should have been an entrepreneur and said, I'm going to buy my URL, but that didn't yeah, happen. For a dollar. For a now dollar no. back then. Now they want 10 grand. I, sh- I mean, honestly, I gave him, I mentioned this before, I gave him almost a blank check to give me whatever the site was worth. Nothing. Mm. And he doesn't use it.
0: That fucking sucks. We'll just park it and don't we'll oh, even yeah. want to actually make it oh, yeah. a deal. Yeah, 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 that sucks. So I am jeffrojas.com now,
1: huh? Makes it easier. It does. No dyslexia.
0: Every time I looked at it, I'm like, so jazz. (laughs) So jazz fedge. No, I'm not looking at that
1: right. That's how it is, man. That's how it is. But you know what it was? Being a nerd, that was my gamer tag growing up.
0: Oh, of course.
1: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just just went with that.
0: Nice, nice. All right. So, listen, thanks again. And last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? I would. Like a lot of times with the. with regards, because obviously we don't talk to only photographers, but a lot of them. So I always say, it doesn't have to be another photographer. Anyone creative that you think does some some cool shit.
1: You know what? I'm, the Gary V thing was awesome. Um, I, I still want to hear Miguel. I want to hear his input. I want you mm-hmm. to give him harder questions. I want to give you. I want. want you to get deeper into some questions. I want you to get into that psyche that is him, and then see oh. how comparable that we are. Because it's freak. It's a freaky thing. we both. Freaky. We have so many similarities. I think we're related. Really? Yeah. We're both only children, or just random quirks that we have. I'm like, dude, you're like my cousin. You're a cousin or a second cousin or something, but you right. have to be related.
0: Right. And because you just think of also like at least I do. Exactly. Like uh of of like how you're both from Florida. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's right. Really like Hispanics from Florida, oh, it's for real. I can relate it somehow. Oh yeah. Um, and and I would never knew. It's Miguel uh, Quiles or how how you say it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, definitely, did a, did a Puerto well, Rican
1: guy just or Spanish guy just ask me how to say his last name?
0: No, because you'd like be surprised. Was... You'd be surprised. Come on, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Some people all of a sudden come out with, "Well, actually, it's actually from the French region of Spain." Rosado. Rous- uh, yeah. 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 You know, Rosado. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, so. Thanks again, man.
1: Uh, Thank you, man. Like I
0: said, we'll we'll definitely have to get up soon. Maybe I'll come on your show as well and see what Stupid. you guys are up to. Just know nothing's
1: uh, rehearsed. It's just all banter back and forth, no editing, oh, and just
0: I love that. Come on now, so it is. I can I can <laughs> I can improv with the best of them, son. <laughs>
1: that's what it's about, man. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Hope uh, everything goes well. Can't wait to see photographing women. Thanks, man. And what what comes out of that, and uh, and yeah.
1: It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Three before 30. That's my goal. We got to get you to get one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Better start writing. Oh, man. I'm going to hound you. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know you are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, Jeff. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye.